It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. I'm really looking forward to today's episode because I actually did a ton of preparation for it. I'm just excited about doing this because I got a fantastic topic suggestion, which is something I've touched upon and thought I had actually gotten into a lot more in a previous episode with Jason. But when I tried to find that episode that I remembered, I couldn't find it. So either I imagined that I've already covered this topic or it was part of another episode. And I'm going to link to a few that have components of this in case you want to keep listening. And before I get into that today, I just really want to take a moment to acknowledge you and thank you. I mentioned this in a recent newsletter for anyone who's signed up for that. If you haven't yet and you're interested in getting weekly recaps of episodes and various things that I feel like sharing, I'm I'm trying to reinvent the newsletter a bit because there's a whole refresh. We're in a new year and also without Jason being part of Wellevator and the podcast anymore, I feel like it's a chance to do things differently. And actually, he used to write the newsletters. I'm trying to approach them in a way that brings me joy, but I also want to do them in a way that brings listeners and email readers a lot of joy. And actually, as a little teaser, I don't know if I will have this done by the time this episode comes out because I'm having trouble getting motivated to finish it. I was tempted to announce it today just to put the pressure on me, but I also have found that pressure doesn't always work so well. I want to put out a survey to get more feedback from you and other listeners and just really make sure that you're getting true value from this. I often wonder if the format works for people, if they're enjoying it on a deep level. And I actually realized I didn't fully finish my previous point, which was to say thank you because there's been a big increase in listenership in the past few weeks that really surprised me. I said in a recent newsletter that I was a little afraid when I announced that Jason was leaving the show that listenership would drop significantly. But not only has it not been noticeably different in terms of people leaving, it's actually grown. So I guess it is different. Somehow in the past few weeks, the listenership has skyrocketed. And I'm excited and curious about that. It's exciting because... I really thrive off of positive feedback. And also, I work with sponsors of the show and I want them to feel like there's a lot of value here. And as the community grows, that gives them more exposure and that helps monetize the show. And of course, I always want to make sure that any sponsorship is in alignment. And I've actually lined up a couple of really amazing sponsors for the show that I'm excited about, which just helps fund it, especially with Jason departing the show. Now all of the finances fall on my shoulders and I'm not concerned about it. But if you're ever interested in supporting more, just simply listening to the show makes a massive difference. So that's really why I wanted to thank you. And also, if you ever want to chip in financially, you can do that on Patreon. I've been trying to think of new ways to support people over there too. So long story short, I will be putting out a survey. And the reason why I feel like it was worth a teaser 
is not only to get you to sign up for the newsletter where you'll be sure to see it. I will mention it in future episodes. But I'm also planning on doing either a giveaway and or perhaps giving away to everybody who completes the survey some of my creator coin, which is not something I've talked about very much, if at all, on the show. I have something called a creator coin on this platform called rally.io. If you want to go check it out, I will link to it in the show notes for this episode, which is at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. Or you can just go to rally.io and look up the well coin, the W-E-L-L coin. And the symbol is a dollar symbol and all capital letters well. And that is part of something that I've been experimenting with for a few months and getting really excited about. One of the big reasons is because it's a wonderful way for me to get community involvement financially. Meaning, unlike a platform like Patreon, where you're just supporting me, Rally actually allows me to support you and the community to support each other. So when you purchase this Rally Creator coin, you are buying into a wellness economy that I created with the WellCoin. And you can get rewarded for it because the way Rally works is every single week, there's an algorithm there, but it's kind of like based on any growth that this little economy in the coin has achieved, they will reward you and every single member on the platform. So everybody will get some money. And I have a few friends on the platform now, and some of them are doing so well that their members are getting hundreds of dollars every single week just because they're supporting this platform. So it sounds maybe a little strange, but if you're interested in crypto, you're interested in wellness and financial support and community, I'll be talking about it more and more. And I really wanted to bring that up because when I put out the survey, I want to offer that as a perk to give you some of this coin for free, which means you won't have to put in any money. You can have a few of these coins, however many I decide to put out there, and you can have cryptocurrency. So if you're curious about that too, and you haven't yet looked into it, maybe that'll be your gateway. So enough about that for now. But if you're curious about it, go check out rally.io. And they have some really good information on there. There's a number of amazing people. And it does remind me a lot of Patreon, but I think the benefits ultimately outweigh Patreon. So it's possible I may switch away from Patreon at some point. I'm not sure, but I'm actually planning on distributing some of this rally coin to Patreon so you can get the best of both worlds. Anyways, that's a little behind the scenes update and encouraging you to sign up for the newsletter so you don't miss out on any of these announcements and especially opportunities to give me feedback so I can make this valuable to you. It's also a wonderful way, speaking of feedback, for you to let me know if there are specific topics that you're interested in, like the person that submitted today's topic. I have tons of notes to reference and answer this because I thought it was such an important subject matter and a very relatable one. This is something submitted by this woman named Nadine who wrote me on my personal Instagram, which is at WhitLauritsen, W-H-I-T-L-A-U-R-I-T-S-E-N. I have both the Wellevator Instagram and the WhitLauritsen Instagram. And she asked me about how to talk to people you care about who have opposite opinions than you, specifically around social and political issues. She's not thinking about how to have a winning debate, but how to have a civil discourse and still care about each other after the conversation. She said that she tries to steer conversation to middle ground or dispel their assumptions, and she just doesn't know if it's enough. Her guess is that her intent would be to open their hearts, 
to the thought that maybe their assumptions aren't always correct. And then she said, everyone seems so dug in and negative. It all seems so unhealthy and fruitless. So first of all, thank you, Nadine, for sharing this with me in so much detail and giving me a really juicy subject matter to get into. Now, as I mentioned, there are some episodes that have touched upon this. One of them, which is mostly around how I can relate. I was reflecting on situations that I've been in, which have been many as I'll get into this episode. But one that came immediately to mind was feeling uncomfortable at times around people who have very different opinions about COVID. And Jason and I did an episode on this called The Lingering Emotional Toll of the Pandemic. We released this I think in August of last year, and I will link to it in the show notes if you want to find that. And I talked a little bit about how I was nervous about seeing some family members who I was anticipating would have very different feelings about COVID. And the reason I was nervous was not so much about the differences, but about my safety. I am very conservative when it comes to COVID, even though I'm a very liberal person. I mean, I guess that often goes hand in hand these days. But I want to protect my body and I don't take a lot of risks when it comes to COVID. And I feel uncomfortable around people who are a little bit more lenient, a little bit more comfortable. And it's interesting because I feel fine with however they want to move about their lives based on their belief systems and their choices and the information they've gathered, but I don't want it to impact me negatively. And I think that's a big part of this, right, especially when it comes to politics. Also, because so many of the notions we have around something like COVID do seem to be driven by political belief systems, which is really fascinating when you bring health into the mix with politics. So anyways, if you want to hear me talk about that experience before I saw my family member, you can check out that episode. And I will say now many months down the line, it turned out that I was right in my assumptions in some ways about my family members, but actually not in other ways. And I was a bit surprised. Overall, my family members seemed to be very accepting of me, even if they didn't fully agree. They were mindful, I should say. When I visited them, I can't remember exactly where I was with masks at the time. I think back in August or September 2021, things were feeling more comfortable. And when I saw them, it was mostly outside. And it was at one of those points where I thought that I'll just not wear a mask and we'll be okay. Or they seem fine health-wise. Anyways, my feelings about COVID have fluctuated a lot. And back then, I actually felt fairly comfortable doing what we did with each other and they didn't really bring it up. We didn't talk about politics. We didn't really talk about COVID. But there was this one moment where we went to a restaurant and we were going to the outdoor patio. We had to walk through the restaurant to get there and I was wearing my mask inside and one of my family members turned to me and goes, oh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to wear that. That's silly or something like that. And I just ignored this family member and kept it on because that was what felt comfortable for me. That was really the worst of all situations that I was in. And the way that I reacted to it was to stay very calm and respect my own boundaries, even though this person was trying to enforce their beliefs onto me. I just got into a state of non-reaction and trying to like let it go and dissipate. And it did. And it didn't come up again. And luckily, we were able to move through it quickly. So that was a recent experience I had about this kind of opposite opinions in a very light way. 
Now, I have some really wonderful information that I've learned from a number of different books and sources. I'm going to link to all of them for you in the show notes of this episode and share a bunch of quotes. Before I get into that one resource that I don't really have a quote around, but I found helpful in a lot of different ways is called Ground News. I follow them on Instagram and they are a news comparison platform that's nonpartisan and it's all about fighting media bias. It's about being fully informed and with as little bias as possible. And this was recommended to me by someone, I don't remember who at this moment, but I thought it was such a wonderful resource because it's helping us look at things from different perspectives, especially when it comes to the news. And especially in the U.S., the news tends to be biased. It depends on which media publication you're reading, you're listening to, you're watching. And certainly, I'm biased too, by the way. I'm going to bring to this conversation or this discussion, even though it's one-sided since I'm the only one talking in this moment, what I'm sharing is based on my viewpoints and my knowledge, my education, my experience. And I think it's important to remind each other that just because I believe something doesn't mean it's the right thing. And that's a huge, huge part of this whole conversation. So I want to begin with some quotes from this book called The Righteous Mind. I've referenced this in a number of episodes. It is, to me, a really eye-opening book because the subtitle is Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion. So Nadine and anyone else who's interested in navigating opposite opinions about social and political issues, I really recommend that book. I loved the way that it was laid out. I can't remember if I finished it, but I read a huge chunk of it. And it helped me understand some historical context, some psychological context. And it was just very well written. It's a bit dense. So I think that's probably why I didn't finish it. But here are some things that I thought really applied. Number one, early humans developed the ability to unite in order to shame, ostracize, or kill anyone whose behavior threatened or simply annoyed the rest of the group. I found that helpful because it reminds me that a lot of our behavior is not superficial. It goes way back in history in terms of how we've been raised, how humanity has developed. These are really deep things here and they're there to protect us, right? A lot of our human behavior was formed because we wanted to survive. And so I think when we understand the deeper reasons behind why we do things and other people do things, it can add a layer of ease. It can make it less personal. Also see some of the issues in it, right? Because while coming together to kill someone is not something a lot of us want to do these days, we do still shame each other a lot. And this definitely comes up when we're having opposite opinions about social and political issues and ostracizing too. I mean, I think shame in itself is a way that we ostracize people or the way that we try to ostracize them. And at the root, if we're feeling threatened by them or simply annoyed, it's a fascinating thing to ponder. Another point in The Righteous Mind is that skilled arguers are not after the truth but after arguments supporting their views. And that I think is also important to consider, especially when you get yourself in a tense discussion with somebody else who doesn't agree with you. You can ask yourself, are both of you just trying to argue for the sake of your viewpoint, but not the truth? And is there really a truth too? I mean, this is something that the righteous mind gets into in a lot of the books I'm gonna reference here. 
I'm somebody, if you haven't learned this about me yet, who tends to see things in the gray area. I try not to get into these black and white perspectives because I think there's truth on both sides. And that's actually ultimately why I'm trying to practice not arguing just to support my view. But I absolutely catch myself doing it, especially in casual ways. And it's moments where I'll feel defensive and I feel like I need to back up a feeling or a viewpoint. But for me, I'm very driven by truth or facts. Another thing you've probably noticed about me, I like doing research. And research is comforting to me because I'm trying to figure out what the truth is and look beyond my biases. But that's tough. And then the last quote I wanted to share from The Righteous Mind is to start by assuming that conservatives are just as sincere as liberals. And you can use something called the moral foundations theory to understand the moral matrices of both sides. I don't remember what that point was about, but I think it's important that when you're getting into this political viewpoint, that both sides are probably very sincere and very confident in how they're feeling. And if we assume that versus thinking, oh, they're just here to say something that goes against what I believe, one of the big points in the Righteous Mind book is that it's a complicated thing and belief systems are developed over years and years, lifetimes. And like I said, history, family, and education, there's so many factors that go into it. So for us to believe that our viewpoint is better than theirs or right or more in the truth is not really an effective way to communicate. And that's something that I pulled up this other book that I want to reference today called Beyond Beliefs. Now, this book by Melanie Joy is mainly about veganism. And it's a fantastic read if you're vegan or vegetarian like I am, because it gives you a lot of perspective and tools for having conversations with people who live differently and eat differently than you. And that is something that a lot of vegans and vegetarians struggle with. But there were a lot of points in that book that can apply to any type of opposing belief system. The first quote in that is to respect the person beneath the behavior. I love this. And this actually is a thread throughout the book because sometimes when we get caught up in our difference of opinions, we forget about who this human being is and we can easily lose our respect for someone. But there's often a difference between who they are at the core and their behavior and not always the case. But just because somebody's saying or doing something in a moment doesn't mean that that's a full picture of who they are. And this book gives you a lot of different tools for how to respect someone, even if their behavior goes completely against your belief system. Another great point in that book is that resilient relationships are built on security and connection. We feel secure when we trust the other to keep us safe. And we feel connected when we feel understood, valued, and nourished. So that goes back to this idea of respect, which is, can you create a safe place to have a hard discussion together? Can you do this from a place of understanding, which is something else that's going to come up in a number of the quotes I'll read? Can you value someone? Can you find where you align? Is there a way that you can nourish them and their communication style while you're speaking to them? That will create a resilient relationship that can work through and weather these tough times. And this is especially important with friends, family members, loved ones, anyone you want to keep in your life despite their opposing views. Melanie also says, compassionate witnessing is the key practice to creating connection. It entails paying attention and listening with empathy, compassion, and without judgment. 
when we compassionately witness another, our goal is not to be right or win an argument or even to fix a problem. It is simply to understand the truth of the other's experience. I love that. That really summarizes a lot of the advice and points and these resources I'm going to bring up today. It seems to be a thread through, which is the goal is not to be right. And the goal is also not to fix it. Another point in that book is that every time we're told that our feelings or experiences are wrong, we get the message that we don't matter. So you can think about times in your life where you felt like someone disagreed with you and was trying to prove you wrong and maybe reflect on, did that make you feel like you didn't matter? And oftentimes when we can connect to that experience, we can put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. And personally, when I'm having conversations, it's really important for me for that person to feel like they matter. I don't want to lose that relationship most times. Even with a stranger, though, I want a stranger to feel like they matter. And I mentioned this in a recent episode about kindness and how being kind to another person, regardless of your relationship with them, goes such a long way. I think every human being wants to feel like they matter. So can you speak to each other in a way that isn't trying to prove them wrong? And lastly, from beyond beliefs, it is vital to have a community of like-minded others, no matter how small. Every one or two people who share your view can make a tremendous difference to your resilience. Living in a culture we may feel chronically misunderstood and offended takes a physiological and emotional toll that can leave you feeling isolated and alone. Knowing that others understand and share your beliefs can be extremely empowering. And I feel like that was an important section to mention here is that sometimes when we have a difference in opinion with somebody, we're left feeling very vulnerable. We may feel like we're misunderstood. We may question ourselves. We may feel isolated. And that's why it's also important to have a community around you of someone that you can turn to and discuss these things in that safe place of knowing that they understand you. I think that we need both. We need to open ourselves up to conversations with people who live differently and think differently than us, but also create those spaces of people who are very like-minded. This to me is also a great opportunity for me to remind you of my private community that I've been developing over almost two years now. If you haven't heard me mention this yet, it's called Beyond Measure. And this is at the core of it. It is completely free at this moment. I actually trying to find a way to integrate it with Rally, as I mentioned, but as of this recording, that's further down the line. In early January 2022, it is free. And I'm always going to figure out the finances so that it's not cost prohibited. But anyways, I wanted to bring that up because that is the main benefit of Beyond Measure is people coming in and feeling connected to other people who are committed to giving them a safe place to express themselves, to talk through things, to relate to one another. In fact, we did a call earlier today and we were talking about finances, which can be a very vulnerable discussion. And people are sharing things in such beautiful ways and realizing that they're not alone while they're sharing. And every time we have a conversation like that in that group, I just feel deeply fulfilled and excited. So while we're on this topic, I want to remind you that there are safe places like that. And if you want to join Beyond Measure, all you have to do right now is send me a message. You can email me. You can direct message me on Instagram. Those are the top two ways people get in touch. I'm also on Facebook and Twitter, wherever else. Whatever is easy for you to reach out to me. All you have to do is say, hey, I'm interested in Beyond Measure and I'll send you an invite. You can come check it out and see if it's a community fit for you. And if not, 
I hope that you do seek out community of like-minded people so that you get the best of both worlds, right? And broaden your safety net and broaden the bubble. You know, don't get stuck in this bubble of like-minded people, but have a place where you can recover and build your resilience. That's equally as important to practicing your communication skills. Speaking of different viewpoints, there is this wonderful author that you may have heard me mention before named Celeste Headley. She's been a guest on the show and she has written a number of books that I absolutely love. Her newest book is called Speaking of Race. And I went to that book because race is often a hard topic for people to discuss and people have a lot of different beliefs around that and approaches. So there were some great points in that book that I thought would apply to this conversation. First of all, Celeste points out that every time we hear something that confirms our opinions, our brains get a little boost of dopamine. Now, there's pros and cons to that, right? So number one is if you are in a safe place, like Beyond Measure, it's great if you want to get that hit of dopamine, right? You know that you're in a like-minded community when you discuss things with each other and you share things that you agree with. It feels really good. That's why community often nourishes us so much. But that's also important to keep in mind when you're having conversations that are against your opinion, that don't confirm your opinion, you may not feel very good. And maybe that's because you are used to being confirmed and getting that dopamine hit. So I think it touches upon this not only historical context to how we communicate with one another and how we feel about difference in opinion, also the biological workings of our own brains and other people too, right? So if you're trying to figure out why is this someone so committed to their opinion? Why are they fighting me? Why are they trying to shame me or prove me wrong? Or or why won't they listen? Maybe it's because you're not confirming their opinion. And so they're not getting that dopamine rush that they want, right? And I just love that. I'm fascinated by the inner workings of the brain. In speaking of race, Celeste also says, You can disagree with someone strongly and yet have the conversation anyway. Debates have changed very few minds, but conversations have the power to change hearts. If I remember, I'm going to share that quote again at the end of this episode because I feel like that's a phenomenal takeaway. Having the conversation even if you disagree and knowing that it's not about changing someone's mind, but maybe changing their heart. And that's an interesting thing, too. It it goes back to one of the quotes from earlier from Beyond Beliefs about respecting the person behind the behavior and separating their mind and what they're thinking and perhaps their behavior from their heart, their soul, what makes them themselves. And I think sometimes we combine the two so much that we can't recognize the goodness in others. And that reminds me of that experience I have with my family that experience went so well with them because it was all heart-centered. We were so excited to see each other. I hadn't seen this particular group of family members in many years, many, many years, I think like 10 or 15 years. And it was so good to spend time with them. It was so good to experience things with them. And I was in their part of the country and see where they live for the first time. It just nourished me on so many levels that I could put aside our differences. So it was about their hearts, not about their minds in that sense. Another book of Celeste that I absolutely love and really recommend actually for this subject matter, which is called We Need to Talk, How to Have Conversations That Matter. Some tips in that book are to be curious, check your bias, show respect, stay the course, and end well. And that's a really good framework and formula for navigating these tough times. I love that curiosity element 
because if we frame it, which is something I think Celeste gets into a lot in We Need to Talk, that curiosity can shift how we feel in those tough conversations. She encourages you to ask questions too. She also says the goal of an honest, respectful dialogue is to open our minds, not to change them, which is also what she said in speaking of race, but also opening up instead of changing them. And this is where the curiosity comes in. Celeste recommends that you resist the impulse to constantly decide whether you agree with everything someone says. Listening to someone doesn't mean agreeing with them. The purpose of listening is to understand, not to endorse. That to me is so incredibly powerful because sometimes we're afraid if we don't defend ourselves and our beliefs, our viewpoints, that we're endorsing someone else. And this is where I think it becomes complicated. I still want to dig in and better understand this. I'm afraid sometimes if I don't stick up for what I believe in, then I won't be a good advocate for what I believe in, right? Like let's say veganism or COVID or race, a lot of these tough conversations that can get people really riled up. Sometimes I feel like I need to share facts or information or perspectives, but ultimately I am trying to change somebody's mind when I do that. And maybe that's important, especially when it comes to race. You know, I'm a huge advocate for being anti-racist and being around people who seem to be racist or engaging in racist behavior. I feel like I need to correct them. And I'm not really sure, based on what I've read here, if that's the best way of action. I think Celeste's point is listening. And again, that's not about agreeing or endorsing. It's just listening to understand someone, not try to change them. She also says, there is no belief so strong that it cannot be set aside temporarily in order to learn from someone who disagrees. Don't worry, your beliefs will still be there when you're done. I love that phrasing because it kind of taps into our own fears. Like, are we afraid that someone's going to change us? Maybe we are not trying to change them, but maybe we're just trying to defend ourselves, protect ourselves from being changed. But beliefs are so deeply rooted. I think Celeste's point is like, your beliefs are not going to (laughs) change. You're just setting it aside temporarily to learn. And speaking of setting aside, she says, all of the opinions, causes, beliefs, and biases that come with our setting aside ourselves is one of the cornerstones of a great conversation. If you enter every conversation assuming you have something to learn, you will never be disappointed. Can you see why I love Celeste's work so much? I think she's just such a great writer. I find so much comfort in the way she phrases things. And this framework just really puts me at ease. It actually inspires me to get into these uncomfortable, hard conversations. I want to learn. I enjoy it. This is where my own personal curiosity gets sparked. And for yourself asking, what do you have to learn? Even if you don't think you have anything to learn, I think there's so much ego in that. Like, oh, I already know what I believe or I already have done my own research. But what can you learn just from hearing this particular person talk about this? And imagine how they would feel if you dropped your defenses and just listened, maybe asked some questions. Going back to Celeste's framework for having a conversation that matters, be curious, check your bias, show respect, stay the course and end well. How can you use that framework? for the next hard conversation that you have. Maybe write it down. Maybe look it over every now and then, memorize it, practice it. 
Put yourself in a tough conversation simply to practice that and see how it goes. Speaking of entering in those tough conversations, it's also helpful and in many ways important to be assertive because sometimes if you're a people pleaser or if you're feeling uncomfortable or awkward, you may feel like the other person is overpowering you. I read a book called The Assertiveness Workbook that had a lot of great tips on being more assertive. And a couple that apply to this are avoid wording your opinion as though there is no other way to see the issue. So yes, you can be assertive, but you can also be open. And if anyone changes their mind, it should be for good reasons, not because you push them and they give in. And that goes both ways. You could actually be assertive by saying that to someone if they're pushing you too much, right? You can say, hey, I hear you, but I don't want you to try to change my mind. Something like that. I don't know. I'm making that up. (laughs) Read the assertiveness workbook. There's a lot of really good tips for actually how to phrase things to other people. But that could possibly work. Maybe just point out to someone or ask them. What if you just ask from a curious standpoint, are you trying to change my mind? And not a defensive. What is your aim here in pushing me? And yes, they may believe that they can change your mind. I think many people believe that. That's frustrating to me, actually, especially when I do all this self-work. It's tough for me to have conversations with people who have not seemingly worked on their conversation skills, who don't seem to be good listeners, for example, who want to dominate every conversation. But then I can have compassion and recognize that I'm still learning. And there have been plenty of times where I wasn't a great listener and maybe dominated the conversation or tried to change people, especially when it came to veganism. That's why I love that Beyond Beliefs book. It was such an amazing way for me to shift the way that I talk to people about plant-based diet and listening. There are two other resources that I found helpful on the subject matter. One was actually related to Web3. So again, Web3 is a term that people are using to refer to the shifts that we're taking online. And that's usually an umbrella term for things like cryptocurrency, the blockchain, the metaverse, NFTs, terms if you're not familiar with, you will learn more and more. And Web3 is a personal passion of mine right now. And I've been exploring participation in this program called Kernel. And Kernel is a community-based education model for people who want to learn and develop Web3. And they had a great training about complementary opposites. And I took a few notes from it. One was that rather than using dualities, we can use the style of complementary opposite thinking to recognize that there is no good without evil, no attraction without repulsion, no north without south, no up without down. And that duality is important in those moments where you think, well, I must be right, or this is the good way, or this, you know, this person is completely opposite from me. Well, maybe that's actually important to have that opposite viewpoint. Maybe if you have a specific goal, you need something that complements it, not necessarily is exactly like it or agrees with it. Food for thought, right? They could describe this as quantum thought, which is being able to contemplate both zero and one simultaneously and the spectrum of probability between. This is not just about both and thinking or seeing, quote, both sides of a debate. It's seeing both sides and the entire spectrum of possible states between without grasping after certainty. This lack of certainty humbles you and is precisely this humility coupled with wider perspectives of the total spectrum of possible outcomes, which can lead you to make more effective decisions. 
that definitely falls into the quantum <laughs> way of living, I think. The spectrum of probability between. So you can see things with the sides, but maybe that in between is the gray area that I was discussing before. Maybe that's why I'm so attracted to that is because the more I let go of my certainty and my ego, the more I learn and evolve as a person and the more compassion I've been able to cultivate, actually. Colonel also said, we cannot be sure what the effect of our actions will be. We can only cultivate an acute observational awareness, which will guide us towards making the right trade-offs. And that applies to conversation too, because it ties into the whole curiosity thing without like being so confident in an outcome, like trying to change someone's mind or persuade them. We can just observe. We can tap into our awareness and that curiosity and figure out where we might need to make some trade-offs. That's, I think, part of the learning process of those conversations. Thinking consciously about trade-offs, as Colonel says, and developing the ability to hold many different probabilities in mind simultaneously without allowing personal bias to obscure your view of all possible futures allows you to pick the middle way more often than not. Those who have positively changed the world did so because they learned how to negotiate complexity rather than oppose their own will on things. That's powerful too. If you're trying to make a positive difference, how can you practice negotiating these complex conversations versus just trying to impose your will on another person? And lastly, Colonel says, or asks, I should say, how can you respond more honestly, accurately, and lovingly? The last resource I wanted to share is from this phenomenal book, another one on this list, which again, I will link to everything in the show notes at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. There's a full transcript of this episode. There are quotes. There is a video eventually when I post it on YouTube. And there are resources. Every single book that I mentioned will be linked there. And I encourage you to read at least one of these books because they've made a big difference for me. So Megan Devine, I think is how you pronounce her name. She wrote a wonderful book called It's Okay Not to Be Okay. And that book is about navigating grief. A huge chunk of that book is about the challenging conversations that people have after grief on both sides. So the person going through the grieving and the people that are witnessing and supporting to best of their abilities, this person going through grief. And Megan talks about how hard it is to navigate grief with other people's opinions. She has a lot of really great points. One. Finding safety means to come together with open hearts and a willing curiosity about everything we experience, love, joy, optimism, fear, loss, and heartbreak. When there's nothing we can't answer with love and connection, we have a safety that can't be taken away by the external forces of the world. It won't keep us from loss, but it will let us feel held and supported inside what cannot be made right. And that ties into so much that I've shared today, this idea of opening our hearts and being curious about everything, all of the spectrums of life. And I love this point. There is nothing we can't answer with love and connection or when there, sorry, I read that differently. That's actually a great point because perhaps we might want to believe that there is nothing we can't answer with love and connection. She's pointing out sometimes there is these moments 
when we feel like safety is being taken away by external forces. It's the desire to feel held and supported inside these situations that cannot be made right. And to me, that's two things. One is coming together in a safe place with those open hearts and curiosity in order to feel held and supported despite not being able to change someone. But also finding those safe, like-minded communities, as I mentioned, in order to feel safe and supported when perhaps other environments don't make you feel that way, right? Like when you're coming away from a really tough time, having a place that you can go to, to nourish yourself, to rebuild, I think both are very important. Megan also says, the real cutting edge of growth and development is in hurting with each other. It's in companionship, not correction. So this idea of correction has been one of the biggest themes of all of these resources and not trying to correct, to change, but to just be there for each other in having that companionship. It's the greatest takeaway and that it's actually okay to get uncomfortable. It's okay to hurt. It's okay for it to be unpleasant and awkward. This is a big lesson I've learned when studying how to be anti-racist. It's not going to be easy and it's not meant to be and it's not meant to be free of hurt pain. It's actually just having somebody along for the ride with you. They might not necessarily agree with you, but you're there together working through it. That's a beautiful thing. Megan says, we can stop hiding from ourselves and hiding from each other in some misguided attempt to be safe. We can stop hiding what it is to be human. We can craft a world where you can say, this hurts, and have those words simply received without judgment or defense. We can clean out the backlog of pain that keeps us trapped in shallow relationships and cycles of disconnection. We can stop making the other other and instead protect and support each other as family. That's powerful. I feel like I could end the podcast right there, but I have a few more (laughs) quotes to share. I love that. It's the first time I've read this out loud and it really resonates with me. I want to read this again. We can craft a world where you can say, this hurts, and have those words simply received without judgment or defense. We can clean out the backlog of pain that keeps us trapped in shallow relationships and cycles of disconnection. We can stop making the other other and instead protect and support each other as family. Megan says, if we are going to live here, if we are going to get through this together, If we are going to, quote, get through it at all, we need to start being more comfortable with pain. We have to let it go all the way through us without looking for reasons or outcomes or placing blame. We have to stop otherizing with each other as a ward against loss. We have to let the knowledge of our tenuous, fleeting, beautiful existence be a real part of our lives, not some story that only happens to other people. So good. Getting through this together, that companionship, not otherizing, which for me is taking sides, separating ourselves, this division. We have so much of that. It pains me, all this division we have as human beings. Maybe that's part of the human experience, though. And going back to the kernel statement about recognizing that there's no good without evil, no attraction without repulsion, no up without down. We need both. So perhaps it's not about looking at it as bad or good, right or wrong, this side or that side. It's 
just is. That's just part of human life. Maybe that's comforting. Maybe that acceptance is so key here. Two more quotes from Megan and two more quotes before I wrap this up. A calm mind and a well-rested body are your best chance at assessing the situation and responding with skill. Relentless self-interrogation, fault-finding, and shame will not get you there. That's interesting, especially that self-interrogation side. That I feel like I need to dig in to have a better understanding of this, but definitely releasing this fault-finding and shame that often comes up in conversations and knowing that that's not actually helping move things forward and prioritizing the fact that we need to find ways for ourselves to be calm. Just like that moment that I shared with my family member who kind of shamed me for wearing a mask at the restaurant. I was in a very calm state, which helped me get through that moment. I didn't feel defensive. I felt uncomfortable, to be honest. It's not pleasant for me to have someone publicly shame me as this person did. But I do remember feeling calm enough and well-rested to just let it go and respond with skill, as Megan says. And that really plays a big role. I mean, many of us have been in situations where we're tired and we don't feel calm. We feel stressed, aggravated, anxious. Like that's not a good time to have a conversation if you can avoid it. (laughs) And if you can catch yourself finding fault and placing shame or blame on someone, see if you can take a deep breath and recenter yourself and either revisit the conversation later or take that breath and acknowledge it. That's another big skill that's not really outlined here, that sometimes we catch ourselves in the middle of doing something that's actually not benefiting. And that's where we learn. And that can be very humbling if we can take a moment and apologize, acknowledge it. Maybe that helps the other person learn too. So there's nothing wrong with doing this imperfectly. All of this is learning. One last quote from Megan. We are such an opinion-giving culture. It can be hard to remember that each person is an expert in their own life. Other people may have insight, yes, but the right to claim the meaning of your life belongs solely to you. And that's an interesting thing in a lot of ways. It ties back into people's hearts versus their minds, ties back into all the experiences, education, and lessons that made you who you are right now and made the person that you're in that conversation with who they are. And everybody has the expertise in their own life and their own viewpoints. And we can take other people's insights, but knowing that the right to claim the meaning of your life belongs solely to you. And I can even see the duality in that because as I said earlier, it's tough when you're talking about big issues like politics and society and oppression and all of these things that we're going through and we can fight up against health, like I mentioned. I mean, these are sensitive, tough subjects that people get very fired up about. And maybe there is an answer. Maybe there is a truth. Maybe there is a right and wrong. But the meaning side of it is unique to each of us. The reasoning. This is complex. And I shared a lot of different quotes and resources, but I still don't feel like I have it all figured out. And that's actually a great thing because it gives me an opportunity to practice and learn. It gives me something to look forward to and continuing to better understand all of this. So it's humbling in that side alone. And I would love to hear from you. What have you learned in these tough times? How have you navigated this? Do you have a perspective that you'd like to share with Nadine as well, who really wants to learn 
about how to not have a winning debate, but how to have a civil discourse and still care about each other. I think the resources that I've shared today give a lot of different, but also similar advice. There's a lot to learn here. Nadine, I hope it helped you. But for everyone else who isn't Nadine and doesn't have the same question, I'm really curious about what you would say to this. I wish that we were having an open dialogue. This is actually another good opportunity for me to encourage you truly to approach me about Beyond Measure. What I love about Beyond Measure is it's not about me. I organize it and I host it. But ultimately, Beyond Measure is a circle. It is a true community and that everyone there is equal. It's not about a one-sided conversation. It's a circular conversation. Yes, we are like-minded. Yes, we are often in agreement with each other, but it's a supportive space where we can share and ask questions like this, discuss it, offer up resources, and just listen, like this said. So I would love to have you part of that, just if only to have one conversation with you and better understand your perspectives and experiences and beliefs. I am very curious about that. I would love to learn from you too. And I would also love for other people to learn from you which is the whole core of Beyond Measure. So if you want to check that out, send me a message, email, DM on social media if you're on there. The other cool thing about Beyond Measure ultimately is I wanted to create a place that was off social media because more and more people seem to be closing down their Facebook and Instagram accounts and not feeling interested in that. And some members have joined Beyond Measure just as a place to have community outside of that. Hopefully, I imagine if you're listening to this podcast, you can at least email me. (laughs) So my email is easy to find on wellevator.com along with all the resources here. One other resource I wanted to add in since this episode was inspired by a question about politics, there's a lovely episode specifically about spirituality and politics. So it's kind of this, to me, a peaceful approach to politics. That's with guest Ben Decker. And the episode is on how spirituality and politics shape society. Ben Decker is just a wonderful human being who had a lot to share about his own experiences in both the spiritual community and teaching and practices, as well as working in politics. And it's just lovely. So go check that out if you're curious. And thank you so much for listening. I will be back with another guest episode, hopefully one that has lots of different perspectives for all of us to learn from. That'll be this Friday. And if you would like to sign up for the newsletter, you can do that at wellevator.com. I'm actually working on the website. So if you have any trouble doing that, let me know because I have a bunch of different configurations to do. If you have trouble with anything, send me an email. Or like I said, if you're on social media, send me a direct message. I'll get it all figured out. I love hearing from you. I want to hear your topics. I want to hear your opinions. I want to be just more connected to you in your life because I value you beyond your listenership. So thanks again. Hope to hear from you soon. And until then, I'm wishing you all the very best with your own journey through all of this. Bye. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.